Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Come on down, find your seat. Find your seat. I got you, right? That is what I call the rap. Everybody like the rap, also known as the hip-hop? Anyone? Okay. I'm a fan of the hip-hop. You could say I'm a hip-hop connoisseur. Closely related to the rap family and the hip-hop family is spoken word. Has anyone here, far or near, heard of thus said the spoken word? Snap if you have. So you guys are fans, I see. Okay. I see I'm not talking to any newbies. I see there are neither jewels nor rubies. I see that you treasure the finer things in life, minus the strife, known as the spoken word. Geeks, sport, athletes, and nerds. You're like, why are you doing this? I'm doing this because last week, I issued a challenge to Citizens Youth. Last week, we, we began a new series in Obadiah, And I challenged someone to come up with a dance move known as the Obadodo, the hashtag Obadodo challenge. I'm sad to say I do not have an Obadodo dance yet, but I do have something better. I had one young student. I said I have one young student who came to me on Sunday. And she said, Sam? Sam? (laughs) I said, yes. She looked me in my eyeballs, and she said, I've come up with something great. And I said, what is it? And she said, I have written a spoken word based on your sermon last week in Obadiah. Do you guys want to hear it? Yeah. You guys, no, 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 for real, you guys want to hear it? Yeah. All right, I want to invite up at this time the one and only, the legend, the Lil Yeezy Young, Jeezy Breezy, Evelyn Lowe. All right, all right, Evelyn. Check, check. Hello. All right. Y'all. Hello, get it? Low? Hi. All right. I don't actually I don't need this to talk. Hi. You hold this. You hold oh, this. Oh, hello, all y'all. All right. So true or false, this is your first public performance of the spoken word. True or false? Yes. Actually, this is like my first rap I wrote. So. First rap ever. This is her up and coming. What is it called when you debut something? Debut. This is her <laughs> debut. She is dropping a fresh, hot single right here live for Zidane to show some love to her. Show some love. Take it away. Okay, so this is my Obadiah rap. So here it is. The minor prophet Obadiah by the spirit was on fire. Through God's desire, he was trying to show Edom in the clefts like the eagles in the nest. That peace was their desire, but they were liars. Betrayed brothers to the fires, but God was on their side. Fed them their demise because of their pride. Though their needs may be so dire, they can look to something higher, a hope they could inspire, a savior, not a fighter, not like all the leaders prior. He will help you through the trials. Behold the Messiah. Thank you. Wow. 
All right, if that doesn't inspire your creative juices, you are dead, all right? So we're still looking for the obododo. We, we need a theme dance for camp. So if you want to put together your pop, lock, and drop it skills and come up with a dance move, that would be phenomenal. We can teach it to the whole camp. It'll be great. So all in favor, say aye. aye. All right. So that was awesome. That was from Obadiah, a brand new series that we started last week here at Citizens Youth. And last week we talked about evil. We talked about injustice. We talk about the fact that people will point to evil in the world and they will use it to say, what's God going to do about that? What is God going to do about that? And so we're going to continue our series today, and I have a similar question for you as we begin. But my question for you, citizens youth, is this. How do you respond when you see evil in the world? You're a middle schooler. You feel deeply. You're in high school. You feel something different every day. How do you respond when you see evil in the world? I want to tell you how I respond, and then hopefully I'm not the only person in the room, right? So let me tell you how I respond, and you tell me if you're with me in this, okay? Hi, I don't know you. Nice to see you, though. Hi, Lydia. I'm Sam. I'm glad you're here. Did you get a candy bar? Let's get her a candy bar, yep. So let me tell you, uh, this is how I respond to evil. You tell me if you're with me. I'm the kind of guy that when I'm watching a movie, my wife, if she could, would put me in a seatbelt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm the kind of guy, like, I'm not a passive uh, movie watcher. I, like, submerge myself into the movie, and I feel, like, like, after I watched Karate Kid with Will Smith's kid, I literally was doing, like, hi-yahs for a week. You know what I mean? I watched Creed. Anybody see Creed, right? The Rocky reboot? I watched Creed. The movie ended at 11 o'clock at night. I went for a seven-mile run, listening to the Rocky theme song for all seven miles. I'm not kidding. Like, I just, like, I just feel deeply, you know? And so I'll tell you a story. This week was a pretty big uh, deal in my house. Uh, I showed my kid for the first time ever the Lion King. Can you feel the love tonight? This is where we belong. Oh, snap, you left me alone. Embarrassing, okay. So see, that's what I remember from The Lion King. I haven't watched this movie in a good 15, 16 years. I was like, this is going to be awesome. Me and my boy, we're going to be, hey, you feel, oh, we what, oh, we you know, we're going to be a Kuna Matata on the couch. I lost my cool this week. I lost my cool, I'm not going to lie, all right? We're watching the movie, and I forgot about Scar, right? I kind of just forgot about him, you know, and I just thought he was like this mean uncle, and the moment where Mufasa's like, Scar, help me. Dude, Earl James, what's his name? James Earl Jones? That voice is like, oh, it just gives me shivers. You know what I mean? He's like, Scar, help me. I am your father. I'm like, I'm so confused. You guys are too little. You don't get it. Anyway. So he looks at me like, Scar, help me. And he looks down at Mufasa, grabs him with his claws, straight up in his hands. And he goes, no. And he kills Mufasa. Long live the king. I literally, I was like this on the couch. I was like, oh. I just feel, you know? That was evil. I'll never forget, I was in college and uh, our buddies, my buddies, they were like, hey, there's this new movie coming out with Liam Neeson. I was like, I love me some Qui Gon Jinn. Let's watch it. 
And he was like, nah, dude, it's this movie called Taken. I'm not even necessarily going to recommend it. Let me just tell you what happens. Homeboy comes home, finds out that his daughter and her friend were kidnapped by traffickers. Listen, listen, listen. Homeboy finds a cell phone left in the room from one of the kidnappers. It rings. And in one of the most iconic scenes of all time, he picks up the phone and has the kidnapper on the other side of the phone. And he says, I have a very particular set of skills and I will find you. And for the rest of the movie, you were like, get them, right? And he's running all over the world to save his daughter and her friend from these kidnappers. It's just, it's wrong. And the whole movie, you're like, I just want to, yeah. How do you respond when you see evil? You're going through the Bible, right? And you come across these stories. Like, I thought the Bible was like rated PG. It's like, nah, sometimes it's rated R. And we come across a story like we saw last week where Edom, Edom did Israel dirty. Israel was running, running. Edom, save us. You're our brother. And Edom goes, long live the king. And Edom betrayed their allies in Judah and sold them into slavery and kidnapped them. Is there something inside of you that rises up to go, Maybe it's not a story. Maybe for you, what I'm talking about isn't a movie. Several years ago, I was in a, in a season of life that was kind of tricky to navigate. Um, someone extremely close to me was abused and mistreated. We went to the police, and the police told us there's nothing we could do about this. Messages were deleted. You waited too long. I'm sorry. There's nothing we could do. And that dude goes free. What do you feel about that? Maybe you have a friend who's been mistreated or abused or or whatever, and you look to the principals and you look to the teachers, you look to your leaders, and you're like, what are you going to do about this? This is wrong. I demand you, make it right. This should not be. There's no way they're going to get away with this. Make it right. What I'm describing here, this is the attitude that leads entire cities to rally and protest and to scream. What do we want? Justice. When do we want it? Now. What do we want? Justice. When do we want it? Now. This is what rises up inside of us as human beings that says they cannot go unpunished. They cannot get away with this. They have to pay. Here's the problem. I want them to pay. When I was going through that situation with my friend, I'll admit, the thoughts that were going through my head in that season, when I realized that the police who were supposed to enforce justice and right the wrongs, when the police couldn't do anything, dude, like... Let's be real. You know those thoughts that go through your head, right? That you're like, this is insane. But the Bible tells us, beloved, 
never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. God looks at you. He sees you, sees the evil, and he says, I will repay it, says the Lord. You see, we want justice, but you and I, we cannot play the judge because the very evil that we want to come against, we do it too. See, if you and me tried to play judge over all of the evil in the world, we would be called hypocrites. I've never murdered someone like Scar, but I've been jealous of other people's achievements and wish them not good things. I've lied. I've cheated. I have stolen. Have you? You see, we can't condemn and judge evil because we actually participate in the same evil. And so if you want justice, <laughs> dude, if you, want the, if you want the bad guys to get it, if you want their, all of the wrongs in the world to be righted, you only have one chance. You only have one hope. Our only hope for justice is for there to be a God out there who is just, who sees everything, and who rights the wrongs. That's our only chance at justice. And what we're going to see today for the next few minutes is that there is a God like that. And as a matter of fact, the one who says, I will repay it, that's our God. We serve a God who rights the wrongs. The God that we just sang about, the God that we're coming together to, to learn more about, the God who saves us and who in response we say, God, everything I have is yours. That God, our God, is a God who rights the wrongs. And here's what I need to talk to you about today before we get into this. Because we live in a culture that is going to tell you something about this God. You see, your friends in school, the, the, the talking heads on social media and on the news, they want to sound noble and modern and so classy that they laugh at the idea of a God who gets angry, right? Have you ever heard that? You worship a God who gets angry and punishes evil? How barbaric. But then you go and look at their social media and look how angry they get about what they perceive to be injustice, right? So they're like, a God who punishes evil, ew. And then on the other hand, they're like, you're killing the turtles, I'm gonna murder you and your whole family. So you wanna be the one who rights the wrongs, but you don't want a God who rights the wrongs. You see the problem here? Students, don't let the culture tell you that there is something wrong or weird or, or a barbaric about a God who rights the wrongs. It's actually the opposite. Can you imagine if we worshiped a God who, who, who felt less about injustice than you do? If God can watch the movie Taken and not even bat an eye, there would be something wrong with that. If God can look at my friend's situation when she was abused and not even like blink an eye about that, there would be something wrong with that God. It's quite the opposite, students. We worship a God who rights the wrongs. The very anger that you and I feel about evil is because we're made in the image of God. When you watch the movie, when you hear the story, when you see the news, you want to right the wrongs because we serve a God who writes the wrongs. That's what Obadiah is about here. 
And so today, we got four short verses, and you're going to see a God who rights the wrongs, and I think our collective response is going to be this. <sighs> Thank God. You guys ready? What's your response to evil? <laughs> come watch a movie with me, and you'll see my response. And then come read Obadiah with me, and you'll see God's response. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Obadiah, starting in verse 5. If you got it, say, yup. All right, we want justice, right? We want vengeance. And so God says, let me show you how I take vengeance. Let me show you how I will avenge and defend my people. And we say, God, show us. Show us, God, that you are a God who rights the wrongs. Look at it here, verse five. If thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, <laughs> how you have been destroyed, would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? How Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out. The first thing we see here is that God's justice is distinctly thorough. God's justice, everybody say justice. justice. Say justice. justice. With like Batman voice, justice. My kid like loves Batman. Every time he puts on the PJs, he's like, I'm Batman. He's like four. It's really scary. But now my almost two-year-old, he'll be two on Monday. My almost two-year-old, he goes, Batman. It's like the funniest thing ever. <laughs> Except when you wake up from your nap and he's over your head going, Batman. <laughs> God's justice is distinctly thorough. Remember last week, God is sitting there and he sees the evil that Edom has done. And his response to seeing the evil he rises up and he says, angels, let's go to battle against Edom. And friends, let me tell you, Edom is being devastated because of it. And so you just imagine all the people in Edom, they're like, wow, Edom, we're having some really bad luck here. Man, wow, what? Have you ever seen such bad luck as a nation? Wow, everybody's dying in a week. Crazy. And Obadiah is looking at them, and he's like, oh, eat them, eat them, eat them. This isn't bad luck. Oh, eat them. Poor eat them. This isn't bad luck. Eat them. If thieves came into your house, if, if, if thieves came into your house, they would at least leave something. Everybody say something. Right? Like, anybody ever have thieves break into their house? Anybody? Did they take everything no, right? They grab the TV, they grab the pearls, they, they grab some other stuff in their pocket. They take as much as they can grab and they run. If thieves came to you, they would at least leave something. Right. Eat them, eat them, eat them, eat them, eat them. Listen to me. If grape gatherers came to you, if there were poor homeless people stealing from your grape vineyards at night, they would at least leave something. Right? Eat him, eat him, eat him. What you're going through is more than the work of robbers. It's more than the work of the homeless camp outside of your fields. You haven't been robbed. You've been destroyed. <laughs> you, this is not people eating your food. This is you being pillaged. And here's the point. Edom is so completely and thoroughly destroyed that there can only be one explanation for what's happening to them. It's God. This is God 
righting the wrongs. The signs are clear. Destruction this thorough and complete can only mean one thing. This isn't the work of thieves. This isn't bad luck. What Edom is going through, students, is God's justice. And his justice is distinctly thorough. Let me give you an example, okay? Anybody hunt? How many of you hunters are here? Okay, how many of you own a gun? Notice those are two different questions. You can own a gun and not hunt. Ah, right? Hunting for wabbits. And so how many of you, though, have gone out into the, uh, the trees? What is it called? The forest. You've gone into the forest um, trying to kill an animal. How many of you have ever done that? Okay. I have not. But I heard from a friend that this was true. When you are going out there and hunting for an animal, it's very easy to confuse certain tracks. All right? Am I doing good so far, Kyle? True or false? You give me a thumbs down if I get something wrong, okay? If you see elk tracks or moose tracks, not the ice cream, they look the same. Elk tracks and moose tracks are commonly mistaken for each other. Did you know that? You're like, I thought I've been eating moose tracks ice cream. No, it's elk tracks. Common mistake. If you're out there, sheep prints and deer prints look almost identical. Then you can come across these prints. Check this out. This is crazy, right? They look like the same animal. Here's what I have here. I have wolf, coyote, fox, big dog, small dog, medium dog. What? Some of these animal tracks could be confused for others. But what happens if you saw these prints? What are these? Bear, right? You see, there's some signs, there are some prints that could be confused for other prints, but then there are certain signs, like bear tracks, that are so distinct that there is no mistaking where these come from. There is no confusing what made these. There is only one explanation for these prints. That's what's happening in Edom. Just like bear tracks, there is only one explanation for the devastation that they are experiencing. Make no mistake, these are God's fingerprints all over Edom because he's taken justice into his own hands. Edom, this isn't bad luck. Edom, you are experiencing a God who is righting the wrongs. Now here, eyes up here for a second. Real talk, like let's be honest, person to person. Am I the only person in the room? This is an honest question. I want you to answer me, okay? Am I the only person in the room that feels a level of like comfort in seeing that God writes the wrongs? You know? You're like, no, Sam, I'm to no, I mean, like, honestly, when you see the bad guy, get it. Is there anyone else who's like, all right, right? That's why they can make it take in two, three, and four. Because if the bad guys got away in the first one, nah, I'm not seeing the second movie. I'm not about the bad guys getting away. Isn't there a breath of relief, a sigh of satisfaction when we realize they are not gonna get away with this evil scar? He's gonna pay. Liam Neesey, he's gonna get them. And we all look at those moments and we say, thank God. Thank God. When the bad guy gets what's coming to him, thank God. When the murderer is caught, when you find out that the guy who's been kidnapping children is locked up forever, we just say, thank God. That's what's happening here. 
God has risen up and he is giving Edom exactly what they deserve. And all of God's people say, thank God that we serve a God who rights the wrongs. That's what he did. So now let's have fun here. <laughs> let's have fun. Because God brings down Edom. But remember what I told you last week? Edom was invincible, right? Where did Edom build their, their, uh, their, their strength? Say it, say it, say it. In the sides of the mountain or something? She's talking to the microstate again. The rocks? Yeah, she said the rocks, right? Uh, that's not really a microphone. That's why I was doing the weird voiceover. But next time, okay? Yeah. In the rocks! There was an impenetrable fortress. They were invincible. And so how does God bring down an invincible nation? Like, think about this. Imagine God comes into staff meeting one day, right? And all of the holy angels come together. And he's like, angels, assemble. Today we are going to war against Edom. And all the angels are like, oh, God, 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 I have a great idea. Sorry, that's not an angel voice. Um, that was my voice. That's what I would be doing. Like, God. Uh, they're like, they're, I got to think of this. Like, uh, they're like, they're like, Lord. I have thunk up a phenomenal idea for the conquering of the Edomites. And God says, proceed. And they say, what if we send him? And over in the corner, the angel of death is just brooding, right? And he's like, here am I, send me. The angel of death, right? They're like, we've done it before in Egypt. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not gonna do that one. And then another, another angel's like, God, I have a phenomenal idea. I read it in my history class. What if we sent lightning from the heavens? And God's like, nah, 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 nah. And then there's like that other angel. There's always that angel, you know? He wasn't like the cute, chubby, naked baby angel. He's like the awkward angel who walks into the party. And he's like, how come nobody told me there was a party? And they're like, I forgot. And he raises his hand, and all the angels are like, God, please don't pick on him. Please don't pick on him. And he's like, yes, Theodore, what is, what is your idea? And he's like, what if, what, what, if, what if we send a pack of wild lions to destroy Edom, you know? And all the angels roll their eyes, you know, and they're like. <laughs> and God goes, order, order, order. Guys, guys, listen, I'm going to right the wrongs. I'm going to destroy Edom. It's not going to be from the angel of death. Angel of death is like, darn it. You know, it's not going to be from lightning. Not sending a pack of wild animals. I have a crazier idea. <laughs> and he tells them the idea. And they huddle up, right? And they're like, break. And they get that look in their eye. And they're like, it's so crazy. It's so ironic. It's so God. <laughs> Let's do it. Do you want to hear his plan? Do you want to see it? All right, look how they destroy. Look how God writes the wrongs and brings down an invincible foe. Look at the next verse. All of your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Do you see the plan? One more time, one more time. Look at it. All 
your allies. What's an ally? An enemy, right? No, what's an ally? A friend. All your allies have driven you to your border. Do you see what God did? Edom, the betrayers, were betrayed by their allies. Everybody goes, you can't whistle. I'm so sorry. You're like, I'm never coming back to this youth group again. I can't even whistle. You're so insensitive. Hey, think, stop whistling. <laughs> Yo, think back to last week's sermon, right? What was, e- <laughs> what was Edom's evil deed? They betrayed the very people who thought they could trust them. And so when God is bringing around his justice, look what happens. That's exactly how Edom falls. Edom is destroyed by their allies. Yo, get this. You've seen 300, you've seen Lord of the Rings, you've seen all these armies. Edom is not brought down by an invading army on their doorstep. They're brought down from an army that came over for dinner. They didn't break down the front door. They rang the doorbell and they said, we brought the cupcakes. It's dinner time. And they were welcomed in and trusted. And from the very people who are eating your bread, you're sitting at the dinner table with people you thought you could trust with the Babylonian kings and nobles, the very people you thought were your bros. They were setting a trap for you. You guys have seen the Bugs Bunny cartoons, right? Of the guy who's eating and Bugs Bunny is like sawing a, a thing like right underneath the chair, right? And then when they like move for a little bit, it's like you were sitting at the table breaking some breadsticks and they were planting a trap right beneath you. You thought you were boys, but they deceived you. Just like your pride deceived you last week. And Edom, oh man, Edom did not see it coming. They were so fooled that Obadiah goes, you have no understanding. Edom, the betrayers, were betrayed by their allies. What would you call this? Poetic justice, right? Justice. Everybody say, justice. Yeah. Some people call it poetic justice. I actually prefer a different phrase. The Bible, specifically the Proverbs, they don't, that doesn't use the phrase poetic justice. They use the phrase reaping what you sow. Proverbs 22, verse 8 says this, whoever sows injustice will reap calamity. How many of you think that Edom has reaped what they've sown here? Has Edom reaped exactly what they've sown? Yeah. The betrayers were betrayed. Why? Because we serve a God who rights the wrongs. Edom is going down. Edom is evil and is going down. And the irony is that God did it in a way that nobody would confuse it was him. Eden, the betrayers were betrayed. Some people would call this savage, right? You know, God is a savage. Yes, God is not to be trifled with. He rights the wrongs. So here's my question. Last question of the night, and we're gonna end it here. 
Edom beasts, right? Like pretty dominant. If you look at their track record, undefeated, some would say, right? So do you think that they at least put up a fight when God shows up at their door declaring war against them? Probably, right? I mean, like, Edom, they have pride. They're not just going to lay down their arms and go, all right, you win. They're probably going to put up a fight, right? They're probably going to make it interesting. They're going to they're gonna give God a run for his money, probably, right? That's what I would think. Well, let's look how it goes down. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau? And your mighty men, oh, I have mighty men. Oh, yeah, your mighty men will be dismayed. Oh, Timon, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. The last thing we see here is that when God brings justice, there isn't a fight. Students, when God brings justice, there isn't a fight. Did anybody catch the fight this past weekend? You watched the Jamari? Anybody? UFC 246, McGregor versus Cowboy. No UFC fans in here? My wife only lets me watch one fight a year because for like three weeks afterwards, I'm literally trying to like put her in arm bars and she's like, I'm pregnant, put me down. I'm like, one more. And so check it out, yo. This fight has been promoted for months. McGregor coming back, he had, he, his previous fight, he lost it. He was like, you know what? I'm going to come back and fight. But whoa, there's not a chump in the other corner. There is nothing less than the cowboy. And the cowboy is the one who's going to give McGregor a run for his money and show him there is a new cowboy in town. And McGregor's like, oh, yeah, well, he meets me in the ring. He's like Lucky Charms man. You know, he's like Irish. I can't do the McGregor accent. But it's awesome. He, like, does his dance. And nobody, wrong audience. So anyway, this is supposed to be a fight, right? There's expected to be blood all over the ring. It's going to go all the way to the end. And at the final seconds, the winner will be decided. You want me to tell you how the fight ends? 35 seconds, TKO, McGregor wins. (laughs) People paid thousands of dollars to get a seat in that arena. Imagine the guy who had to pee. And it was over before he got back. Imagine the guy who dropped his phone in the seat crack and he stood up like this. Ding, ding, ding. And he stood up. He's looking for the phone. He gets back down to take a picture and it's over. This was not a fight. This was a one-sided, lopsided TKO. That's like God. Eat him. (laughs) Edom wasn't like, come on, men, we can take him. Hold. When God shows up and he's pronounced judgment and he says, I'm going to right the wrongs, there's no fight. On that day, when he visits them for war, when he rights the wrongs, it's not a fight, guys. This is God. This is a one-sided dishing out a can of justice. Because when God is righting the wrongs, there's no standing up to God. Edom, you got to give it to them. Edom was pretty solid. They had a lot lot of history of strengths. And so you would think that their strengths, the very things that they used to defend themselves, you would think they'd have something. No, they were useless. 
So look what they do. They go, well, we have wise men. We can stand up to God. We have wise men. Get the military strategists together. And they're wise. So come up with wise things. And they come together and they go, how can we hold off God? Nope. The wise men are destroyed. All right, fine, fine, fine. Our wise men might not work. But what about our mighty men? We are Edom. I mean, Edom, you know? And we have mighty men. And they're strong. And God says, oh, oh, you, are those your mighty men? The, the guys that are over there sitting in the corner, dismayed, shaking their knees and pooping in their pants, and they're babbling like babies before my glory and might? Oh, wise men. Not, I'm looking at not those guys in the front row, sorry. That was like imaginary. Tucker is quivering though. Wise men don't stand a chance. Mighty men don't stand a chance. Well, then maybe the king of Edom's like, you know what? We can't outsmart God. We can't outpower him. Let's just outnumber him. I mean, he's only one. And we're many. And God says, nope. Numbers don't work against me. Every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. Just like you cut off my people when they were trying to retreat through your lands to Egypt. Guys, are you getting the picture do you understand the God that we serve? When God brings justice, when he decides to right all of the wrongs, there's not a fight. And here's why I'm telling you this today. Here's why we are in Obadiah tonight. We're looking at Edom. That's a small example from the past. Edom happened thousands of years ago. That is a small example from history. But I tell you this example from history because you and I have something to look forward to in the future. Students, please, those of you who are living in this world and culture that is full of evil and injustice, I want to tell you something. That what God did to Edom is a small picture of what he's going to do in the end. You see, one day, Jesus is coming back. One day Jesus is coming back and he's going to right all of the wrongs. The things that you look at and you scream and you go, make it right. That's not fair. That is so wrong. They can't get away with this. On that day, Jesus is coming back to right all of the wrongs, not just of Edom, of the whole world. And just like Edom, there won't be a fight. You know, you and I, when we picture the end of the world, we picture Armageddon like this, right? It's like the battle scene from Avengers where it's looking bleak. Evil's gonna win, but open the portals and here comes Jesus and his army and there's gonna be a big fight and after many casualties and much difficulty and blood and sweat and tears, the winners will emerge victorious. That's what we picture, right? God's going to come back in the end, and it's going to be a battle, but he'll win. Wrong. You want to know what it's really going to be like in the end? Do you want to tell you? Do you want to show you? It's kind of crazy. Like, I actually had to read it a few times to make sure I wasn't missing something. Do you want to, you want to hear how the, the last battle goes? All right, I'll read it to you. This is wild. We find it in Revelation 19. Guys, Jesus is coming to end it, and it will not even be a fight. Check it out. 
This is a vision, not of Obadiah, but of John, all right? I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. He shows up on a white horse. All of the angels, including Theodore, are sitting on the white horses, and they're standing there. And there's a part that I actually left out. One of the angels calls out and starts taunting the whole earth. And he goes, oh, birdies. Oh, birdies. Come, it's time to eat. And they're like, what's for dinner? And he goes, the flesh of all of God's enemies. Stay right there. Supper's about to be served. And then look what he does. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. Wait, God is wrathful? Yes, because he has been rising up against all of the evil on earth and on this day, he's gonna open up a can of justice. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds, they got their full of flesh. But uh, here's what I want to point out to you. It's not a battle. Jesus doesn't even dismount from the horse. He wins the battle while sitting on the horse. That's your God. Because when God comes to right the wrongs, all of them, it won't even be a fight. And so how do you respond to evil? Are you like me? Does something rise up inside of you to go, that's not right. Someone has to avenge this. I want justice and I want it now. Is that you? Do you hate the idea of the bad guy getting away? Do you hate the idea of the murderer going free? Do you hate the idea of the person who has wronged you and your friends not paying for it? If that's you, I have good news. We serve a God who is righting the wrongs, all of them. Take comfort in that. Now, I want to, for the last moment here, band, you can come up. I want to talk to you in the room who this entire sermon, you've been looking at me, and I can almost see the question on your face. You've been looking at me and you say, Sam, whoa, 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 whoa. Judgment? Justice? Righting the wrongs? I thought God was a God of love. How is the God that Obadiah saying, how is that the God of love? And so you're here and you're saying, wait, time out. Is he a God of love? Or is he, is he a loving God? Or is he a just God? Sam, which one is it? You're saying, Sam, this doesn't make sense. This is not what I read in the New Testament. Is he... Sorry, is he a loving God or is he a just God? Is he a gracious God? Or is he an avenger? Not that avenger, okay? Wait, wait, is God of the Bible, is the God that we serve, I keep going backwards, oh my gosh. 
loving God, just God, gracious God, avenger, or does he forgive? Or does he right the wrongs? Which God is it? Which God am I supposed to tell my friends about? Which is the God that I'm singing about? Which God am I supposed to worship? Which God am I picturing when I'm raising my hands and I'm singing the songs? Which God am I praying to? Which God am I confessing my sins to? Which God? Which is it? And those of you in here who don't really know how to wrap your minds around this, the answer is this. It's both. And they are held in perfect balance by something in the middle. It's the cross. You see, students, God is both loving and just. He is both gracious and an avenger. He is the most loving being in the universe, but he is absolutely the most righteous one who will right every wrong. Think about it. Let's just, let's think, let's talk like normal people for a second. If God was only loving and he never punished evil, that would be disgusting. And we would scream. If the scars and the abductors never got what was coming to them, we would shake our fist at the cosmos and go, that's wrong. But if God was only just, That would be hopeless, and we would die. But here's the good news tonight, students. God is so just that he will punish every evil, but he's also so loving that he puts that punishment on himself. Evie, you will not get away with sin and evil. Penalty will be poured out on your sin, but I will put that on myself. Middle schoolers, your sin must be punished, but I will put your sin on myself and I will be punished. High schoolers, you cannot get away with that and every deed that you have ever done in the secret of your own heart will come into the light one day and it will be punished. But I'll put that punishment on myself. That's the cross. And when we look at the cross, we can rejoice and praise the Lord that we serve a God who rights the wrongs. And so as we prepare to respond, my question for you is this. Has Jesus taken your place? You're here and you're like, man, this is an intense sermon. I want God to right the wrongs, but I'm wrong. I want God to punish the evil, but I have evil thoughts. Has Jesus taken your place? Do you believe in your heart that God loves you so much that he'll take your penalty for you? That's called faith. If you believe that, that's called faith. And if you're here tonight and you believe that, confess your sins to God. Just be honest and humble yourself and tell him exactly where you are and exactly what you've done and he'll do something beautiful. He will take your sins and put them on Jesus and he will take Jesus' purity and put it on you. Welcome to the family. Our story at Citizens is not that we're perfect. It's not that we're better than you. It's not that we figured out the secret to holiness. It's that we have honored or humbled ourselves before God. And we believe that Jesus took our place, that the perfectly holy, righteous God who will punish evil is also the most loving God. And he took our place. 
If you're here tonight and you've never confessed your sins to God, you've never asked him to save you, you've never asked Jesus to take your place, don't leave tonight without talking to one of us. Don't leave tonight without praying. Don't leave tonight without being able to rejoice in the fact that we serve a God who rights every wrong. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the vision of Obadiah that gives us a vision, a clear vision of who you really are. God, it's easy to worship the God that is displayed on social media, to worship the God that is talked about in the news, to worship the God that we fashion in our own mind. But Lord, your word freshens that up and says, no, this is who I really am. And God, today, before your might and your majesty, Lord, before the one whose robe is dipped in blood, we humble ourselves and we say, God, you are not a God to be trifled with. You deserve awe and worship. You are mighty and majestic and we don't want to mess with you, God. Before your might and awe, we bow down. But then, Lord, when we look at your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness, we don't just bow down, but we come near. And so, Lord, that's our response tonight. We bow down in light of your awe, and we draw near in light of your love. I pray for the students here today, Lord, who are not Christians. Lord, I pray for the students here today who have gone to church their whole life, going through the motions, thinking to themselves that they'll figure it out when they're older. Lord, tonight, would you call them? Lord, tonight, before you're the picture of who you are, would you humble them and bring them near to your love? Lord, I pray that they would confess their sins to you, that they would believe in their heart that you can save them, and that they would join your family, adopted as sons and daughters. I pray that they would grow in this community, plugged in as a a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. I pray that they would come to camp and learn more about this truth. They would learn more about how to live for you and that the rest of their lives would be changed. We are yours, God. Changes for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.